Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nothing personal word of the day is clean up in aisle five. Anyone ever heard that happen when you're walking down the street, walk into a store, you got to buy something. Then you got a problem. You got a situation. Clean up in aisle five. It's funny. Made me laugh. What was I thinking about when we made that the word of the day today? I'm thinking about baseball. I'm thinking about what an absolute nightmare baseball had yesterday. There's so many things that we should be focused on the debut of Wander Franco hit a double hit a home run. The number one ranked prospect in baseball gets called up and hits a double hits a home run. The Rays lose to the Red Sox in extra innings. That was exciting. Talk about what's going on in the standings with the San Francisco giants. Max Scherzer's pitching a certain hall of famer. One of the greats of all time in a huge game against the Philadelphia Phillies who won. Who cares? That's not what you're talking about. Let me set the stage. On June 21st, which would have been two days ago, MLB started cracking down on foreign substances, and they had a memo that said umpires will now check pitchers. Jacob deGrom was the first pitcher to be checked. He took off his hat, showed him beneath the belt, and then took the podium at the end of the game and said, it didn't distract me. I had no problem. It's all good. Jacob deGrom is an example of a superstar who understands why baseball is doing what it's doing. And he is acting mature. Now let's get to last night's games. Max Scherzer takes the mound. At the end of the first inning, he walks off. The umpires stop him. They want to see his hat. His belt, apparently that's what the umpires are checking, as though that's the only place foreign substances go, which is funny to me. It goes more than below the belt or under the cap or inside the glove. Pitchers find various places to put it. And now that they see a pattern, side note, there's a pattern. They're checking the belt, the hat, the glove. Life will find a way. They're going to find a way to put it in a different place. But I digress. So Max Scherzer is walking off the field. The umpires stop him, and he is pissed. He is petulant. He is childish. He is acting as though he is above the check. Why is the check going on? Don't waste my time. On top of that, don't ruin my rhythm. This is what is exuding from Max Scherzer's Boris-filled pores. Why are they Boris-filled pores? Because Scott Boris is his agent. 
Scott Boris has made it very clear to Max Scherzer, as well as his other players, that what MLB is doing by eliminating all foreign substances is wrong and it will not be tolerated. Anytime MLB does anything in a unilateral way prior to full negotiation or giving something to the union in return for the players saying, you can check my gakas. GTS, if you don't know what that means, it's Yiddish for pants. Pantalonis. Boris said, don't let them get away with this. You've got to make an example and show them up. So Max Scherzer, a veteran, a member of the executive council who's going to be negotiating a collective bargaining agreement with the commissioner and the owners come this summer, into this fall, into this winter. Max Scherzer gets upset. Okay, I'm watching. I'm willing to live with it. And then Max Scherzer gets checked again. The second time Max Scherzer got checked, which is also part of the memo, the pitchers, starting pitchers are going to be checked more than once. He acted even worse, practically throwing his glove to the ground and his hat to the ground. And that's not even the best part of what happened in yesterday's game. The manager of the Phillies is a guy named Joe Girardi, that guy we hired in 2006 to be our manager the first time he'd ever managed and then fired him at the end of 2006. He went on to manage the Yankees, win a World Series in 09, eventually get fired and then get a new job with the Philadelphia Phillies working with Dave Dombrowski. Last year, Girardi did not have a successful year. This year, I would argue the Phillies are still mediocre. They have not fixed their bullpen. They signed all these great players. Bryce Harper traded for JT Realmuto. Joe Girardi has not exactly moved mountains for that team. One of the things that makes Joe Joe is he is extremely, extremely competitive, which is good, but it is extremely misguided, which is bad. Max Scherzer was going to his hair during the game, which if you watch baseball, baseball players, pitchers take their cap off. They run their fingers through their hair. They're doing that because many of them put something in their hair like gel or some sort of concoction that that's the substance they use or there's sweat there. And that helps you get a grip on the ball as well. So Max Scherzer was going to his hair. Do you know there's a rule in baseball that you can't go to your mouth? You can't lick your fingers when you've engaged the rubber. <laughs> that if you don't know baseball, that may have sounded strange, right? Not prophylactically speaking. The rubber is that white rectangular item that is on top of a pitcher's mound that a pitcher's foot actually has to touch while the pitcher is delivering a pitch. So when your foot is on that rubber, you cannot lick your fingers. When you're even in the mound area, you cannot lick your fingers unless you get prior permission from the umpire before the game because it's cold or whatever the reason is. So Max Scherzer was licking his fingers a lot. He was rubbing his hair a lot. And Joe Girardi called the umpires to check Max Scherzer again for a foreign substance. Max Scherzer was not very happy about that. Joe Girardi was not very happy about anything that was going on. And it turned into an absolute embarrassment for MLB. In the old days, prior to this memo, if a manager thought or a GM or a president would call down to the dugout because we thought that there was chicanery going on, we would call down, tell the manager to alert the umpire and make the umpire check for a cork bat, for the measurement that the mound wasn't proper, that there's some sort of obvious foreign substance, 
anything like that. We're starting it from the booth, meaning the, the GM or president's boot box. If it's so obvious, the manager or the coaching staff will see it without us saying anything. They go to the umpire, the umpire checks it, and hopefully we're right. And then that player either gets ejected, gets in trouble, or the league office will fine him or suspend him. That is how it used to be. Now that there is mandatory checking for foreign substances, it has obviated any need for, it has taken away any need for a manager to get himself involved, to inject himself into the situation. But Joe couldn't help himself. And he actually said after the game, I can't believe how many times Max Scherzer went to his head. He's never done that before. No kidding, Joe. The reason he doesn't do that is because he's using foreign substances, but now he's not using them because of the rule. So he's got to get a grip. Why don't you just ask him? And so they did. And at the end of the game, Max Scherzer was very obvious when he said, you're damn right. I went to my hair. I went to my hair because I was worried about hitting someone with my fastball. And as a matter of fact, I almost did. So yes, I'm licking fingers, tasting rosin, getting nauseous, getting sweat into my palm so I can grip the ball. What does all this mean? It means that these players are positioning themselves to make this a huge discussion because what the players think, and here's where the players have it wrong. Scott Boris and his players believe that this foreign substance memo is done for the sole reason of dividing players because position players are upset that the playing field's not level level. Even some pitchers have come out and said it's gone too far. But what Boris thinks is that MLB did the memo as a way to divide position players and pitchers to cause a divide that will impact the collective bargaining agreement and wink, wink. Maybe they did. But the other reason they did is because the game, which helps you, Scott Boris, and you, Max Scherzer, make so much money, is becoming increasingly unpopular and unwatchable. That's why. Therefore, MLB is doing something that has a direct benefit and a tangential benefit. The direct benefit of the foreign substance memo is obviously to stop foreign substances to increase offense. The tangential benefit is that if there is any sort of disagreement between players that bleeds to the collective bargaining table, that would be terrific. But that's the tangential benefit, not the direct. And what the agents, some of them, and what the players, some of them, have done is they've confused tangential with direct. Boris believes that the reason why they did the rule was simply for collective bargaining. Therefore, he's told his players to make as much mockery as you can of how this rule happened and how this rule is being implemented. My thought is that if this continues, and this is what I've told you before, nothing personal, if this sort of misunderstanding between the parties continues, we are collectively screwed. So then yesterday, in addition to Max Scherzer, please go check out the video of Sergio Romo. 
Sergio Romo was checked for sticky substances and he pulled his pants all the way down. Levitard thought that there was going to be some sort of private part showing a la Howard Stern, but I assured him, don't worry. It's totally normal that players are wearing multiple layers below their uniform. But Sergio Romo was upset again that he was being checked, pulled down his pants, took off his belt, took off his glove, took off his hat. What am I doing this morning if I'm Rod Manford? I thought about it a lot last night. That's why we're delayed today. Thank you for waiting for Nothing Personal's episode. The reason that I had to get my thoughts together is I was thinking all night, what do you do if you're Rob? Because this is an absolute joke now. We're getting crushed. Every single platform is talking about how embarrassing MLB is. Every single platform is saying something's got to change. And they know they listen to nothing personal. They're aware that I said you've got to go full Super League and get rid of the memo. And then come back to it next year in a very organized fashion when you have a universal substance. But I know the commissioner and I know owners. What happened yesterday is only going to embolden them. They are now on principle alone, not going to rescind the memo. On principle alone, they're not going to change how they're going to check for substances. Because every time a player throws a petulant temper tantrum, they're good with it. They don't realize that by players looking bad, the sport looks bad and they look bad. Their view, especially now going into this negotiation, is as long as players look bad, that means it's a zero-sum game. If someone looks bad, that means someone else looks good because it's all even. The way the public looks at baseball is not binary. It's not player bad, owner good. Owner bad, player good. The mix is what we strive to avoid at all costs, and that's the apathy. Now we're good because we're talking about baseball, but if this continues, it's gonna lead to apathy. But Rob Manford and the rest of the commissioner's office and the rest of the owners are so busy trying to get the advantage at the table that they are losing the entire forest for the occasional branch. It's not the only example of countries of people who are a little confused. I got to talk about UEFA. Coke and I were talking about the show and we thought it was important to, to bring this up, what happened yesterday in Munich. And the reason why is not just because of what happened in the NFL or now that finally there can be openly gay players and they're coming out while they're playing. By the way, Coca, do you know his jersey Nassib's jersey was the number one selling jersey yesterday. That's nice. It's off season. I'm not sure who's buying jerseys right now, but I'm glad he's the number one. I'm not sure he's going to keep that mantle, but he did get a hell of a lot of attention yesterday and it was positive. Hopefully he doesn't, that doesn't happen. Hopefully he makes the team and plays well for Las Vegas, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, Las Vegas, side note here, Coca, Las Vegas, they can't release him now, right? He's too popular. He's too known, right? If they release him, Vegas will say, oh my God, uh, you just released a gay player. How could you do that? You absolute homophobe. And the Vegas Gruden would have to say, but he sucks. Like, what do you want me to do? They're in a tough position there. I think my view would be gay or not. If you're not good, you're going to be released. So right now there is a huge uh, tournament going on in Europe. 
UEFA obviously is the governing body in Europe. There was a game yesterday. I'm just blanking, Coca. You know I am. It's called the Euro 2020. Thank you, Coca. It happens. Coca tells me what something is. Then he has to tell me again. It's like pronouncing names. I just sometimes forget. The Euro 2020 is going on. And what struck us and why we wanted to bring this up is what happened with UEFA. And I think they just completely botched this. There was a game between Munich and Hungary. And what's going on is Hungary just passed a law. And I want to be very clear because people are sort of misunderstanding. It's actually not Munich. It's Germany, right? And they're playing Hungary today. It's in Munich is where the game is. Thank you, Coco, for correcting me. And Hungary has a government where they are not too keen on homosexuality. There's gay adoption is not allowed. Gay marriage is not allowed. And they just recently decided that they were going to amend a, a existing bill, an existing law. I don't even I didn't realize they have laws in Hungary of any kind. And it says we are not allowing anybody to either teach homosexuality to those under 18, to advertise homosexuality to those under 18, to in any way make anyone under 18 believe that being homosexual or being queer, whatever word you want to use, is verboten. It, it's hard to imagine in 2021 that that is what any government is going to do. It's, it's really shocking. But that said, that's the law in Hungary. People in Germany, irony of ironies, who doesn't deserve a second chance? I'm not sure that, I, I don't even wanna get into the Holocaust right now. I'm too distracted and it's too big a topic. What I wanna say to you is this, in Germany, they said, we disagree with you. We believe in the rights for all people, okay? That may be a new thing. We believe that everyone should be able to be exactly who they are. Thank you. You're a day late and $6 million short, but I move on. They wanted to show a rainbow flag, a pride flag. It's pride month. I don't know if it's pride month everywhere, Coca. We didn't even talk about this pre-show. Is it pride month only in the US or is it pride month is June pride month around the world? I'm not sure the world would ever agree on something. It can't be pride month in Hungary because they don't believe that there's anything to be prideful about. So they wanted in Munich to do a pride flag and UEFA said, no, you are not allowed to display a flag, a pride flag. But what's interesting is why they said it. UEFA of course had to release a statement. And in the statement they said, UEFA is proud to wear the colors of the rainbow. Okay, thank you. It's a symbol that embodies our core values, promoting everything we believe in. Thank you. Some people have interpreted our decision to turn down the city of Munich's request to illuminate the Munich Stadium in rainbow colors as political. On the contrary, the request by Munich was political. For UEFA, the rainbow is not a political symbol, but a sign of our firm commitment to a more diverse and inclusive society. Who wrote this statement? 
You end the statement by saying that a rainbow is a sign of our commitment to diverse and inclusive society, yet you say that we will not in any way say anything against what Hungary has done because that would make it political. I wonder if UEFA were around in the 1940s, what they would have said in Germany with the genocide of the Jewish people. Hmm. Can't protest that. Can't bring attention to that because that's political. A country would request for UEFA to somehow be against genocide. No, no, that's political. That's the country doing that. Maybe one day someone will explain to me how an organization can hide behind saying we don't want anything political. We cannot afford to take any political requests because then we'd be opening Pandora's box. But by doing that, they're completely ignoring what's right versus what wrong, what's wrong. What they're saying is they're not intelligent enough, UEFA, to draw the line, to differentiate. You can't tell me that Hungary saying that we are not going to promote or do anything that involves homosexuality or any sort of non-heterosexuality to anyone under 18, and you're not willing to take a position on that because you think that the Munich request to show the colors of the flag is political against Hungary? You're goddamn right it is. If you don't have the stones to understand what's right and what's wrong, then you are not allowed to be in a position of leadership. We can argue the margins all day long. I'm good. We can argue economic policy. I'm good. We can even argue social policy. I'm good. But there are certain inalienable rights. There are certain conversations. There are certain subjects that there is only one side, not two, one side. UEFA, you picked wrong. I'm not surprised. And while I'm on it, and I must tell you that I am on it, I'm sick and tired of businesses who say they're going to do something because it's cool and hip and it's of the moment. And then on nothing personal, I tell you what's really happening. And then it happens and it doesn't make me feel one bit better. I'm on a bit of a rant right now because I'm angry about so much stuff that happened. And this is not even sports related, but I want you to hear it. Do you remember the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th? Call it whatever you want. I'm not being political because if you don't know the difference between right and wrong, then turn off the show. Yeah, but keep subscribing, of course, or unsubscribe and then resubscribe. I'm totally good with that. So here's what happened. Companies right after that happened. Do you remember what they did? Let's talk about Boeing specifically. Any recollection? Do you remember when Boeing said, we are no longer making political donations? And there were tons of companies who did this. We are withholding all political donations to any representative who is trying to say that the election results were false. Any representative in the House or Senate who is saying that it's okay what went on with storming the Capitol. I don't think I got to the mute button fast enough during that excretion of gas, coconut. I apologize, but don't cut it out because we don't edit it. Do you remember that after that happened, when everyone was up at arms because people actually stormed the Capitol and it was a major problem for our democracy, all that stuff that was going on with the election, fake, fake results, 
and all these companies stood up proud and released statements saying we are stopping political donations. We are not going to promulgate any sort of behavior like this. We are not going to vote with our money. We are going to show the people that we care about our country. And I said, you know what? It's a crock of absolute crap. It's total recency bias because eventually people are going to forget. But at the end of the day, these companies have to make political contributions because they try to influence so many things that go on on Capitol Hill that your head would spin. So guess what came out yesterday? Guess who's giving money? Hey, it's been February, March, April, May, June. It's been five months at the boardroom at Boeing. They had a conversation. I can tell you exactly how the conversation went. The CEO of Boeing said to the board, we got a small situation. We've got several bills that are in play right now that are impacting us. They're impacting the cost of fuel. They're impacting how we operate in different states. They're impacting our manufacturing. And we've got to get some Republicans and Democrats back on board with us. We got to start giving money to everyone again because we need that influence back because this is impacting our bottom line. It's impacting our share price and we can't have this. The board said, hey, I agree. I mean, we stopped for five months. It's good, right? Don't say anything. Let's not do a press release. Let's not do a statement, but let's start again giving money to both sides of the aisle, but we got to start giving to those Republicans who were in favor of storming the Capitol. We got to start giving money to the same, those Republicans who said the election was fake and the results were fake, even though there was not one lawsuit, not one motion, not one anything that was upheld. We got to do it. And guess what? They started. I'm just saying Boeing is not the only one because the other aviation companies have started. I'm saying that I'll bet you a dollar that baseball has started again. Remember, baseball and all sports said we are holding off all political donations. It sounds good when you have to say something right at the time. Ever wonder whether or not the All-Star Game would be in Atlanta if the comments that were made about Atlanta, remember that was the change of the election laws, and then baseball pulled the All-Star Game out of Atlanta and put it into Colorado? I wonder whether or not if the players had more time, they wouldn't have given the commissioner the ultimatum saying, we're not going to Atlanta, so you better pull the game. And he had no choice but to pull it. Don't you wonder to yourself that when people act quickly, they act in the moment, and then it dies down. You wait 18 minutes, you got another crisis. You got another situation to deal with, another natural disaster, another political disaster, another place to put your money, another place to put your emotion. People have short memories, folks. I don't, I don't have the best memory, but I write everything down. So when I saw that Boeing is back to giving money only five months later without explaining why, I was pissed. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm going to review a movie with Tony Collette that is a true story uh, and with the guy from Billions and Homeland named Damian Lewis. It's called Dream Horse. We'll be right back. We're also going to talk a little bit about what happened in the Clipper game last night. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, subscribing. Go to YouTube, by the way. We're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Do you like the way I got a blazer and a shirt that matched today? The carpet does not at all match the drapes currently where I am, but I'm going to make that happen. And I'm going to find a way to get maybe a little background here, maybe a picture, maybe a ball or two. Wait to see. Nothing personal with David Sampson is the YouTube channel. Just hit subscribe, please. We have it. When, Coco, when are we doing live YouTube stuff? Are you able to do that with all the great equipment we get from CBS? Are you even listening to the show? Have you resigned? Are you so upset that I haven't reviewed Dream Horse yet and we only have about 18 minutes left in the show and I have so much left to cover, I'm not sure what to do? <laughs> okay, let me get to it. Dream Horse, it's another 1999er. I paid it. Tony Collette, Damian Lewis, true story about people who are not horse owners. They are not horse trainers. They are not anything other than ordinary folks in a small town who cobble together a few nickels a few shillings, a few quid, and they buy a horse. They, what's it called, Coca? Oh my God, when you have a horse, have sex with another horse. I mean, that's, I don't, I'm not talking about a person and a horse. I'm talking about a horse and a horse. I think it's called studying. They bought a girl. The girl then goes to a guy breeding. Good one, Coca. Thank you. <laughs> The girl horse goes to the guy horse. The guy horse mounts the girl horse. The girl horse gets pregnant. And then you go home and you pay money to the guy horse for getting the girl horse pregnant. The girl horse then hopefully has a baby. And hopefully that baby can be good. It's called studying is what you happens when you make the money as the guy horse. It's called breeding when you own the girl horse or something like that. So they own a girl horse, pregnant, have a baby, the girl horse dies at childbirth. It's not a child, dies at horse birth. Is it called horse birth? I guess it is. Dies at horse birth. And then this horse that lives, the baby horse, grows up to be 
a dream horse. Get it? Dream horse. And the movie, Damian Lewis, who does not, when you watch him on Billions and you think that he is a New Yorker, surprise, he's not. Now, he's not Welsh either. He's got a little Welsh in him, but he's British, I think. So he does have an accent. Tony Collette, as you know, is also has an accent. Easy to understand, easy to root for these people because they are the uh, underdogs and they find a way to raise a horse and have the horse actually run in a race. There's some emotion and some drama that comes with, with Hollywood. The movie overall is decent. It's decent. Dream horse. Wait to take a date and then pay the $19.99 because it's a feel-good movie. If you're alone, don't do it. Okay, I got to get to the nothing personal pick of the day because I think people misunderstood. I got several people on Twitter at David P. Sampson who said to me, I'm not sure I understand. Do you like the Clippers to win the game or not? I thought I was very clear what I said in yesterday's show, which was June 22nd. I said, take the Clippers, but they're going to lose the game. The Suns will go up to nothing. And so they did. We're now 83 and 63. The Clippers covered, but they lost. And did you watch the end of that game? If you did, were you bored? Were you upset? Were you antsy? I was. How many challenges can there be in the last two minutes? Trick question. Unlimited. Anytime there's a ball out of bounds, the referees walk over and they go to the video monitor and they make a decision. Here's what I would do. When I grew up watching basketball and being a Knicks fan all through really my childhood until I got into baseball, I was always very focused on how coaches would use their timeouts. And I'm very focused on that in football too. And I've had this argument with Coca, side story here, Coca. I totally disagree with NFL coaches who take a timeout in the first quarter as the 42nd clock is running out and umpires walk and umpires and quarterbacks walk off the field. They take a timeout because they don't want the five yard penalty. You remember where I am vis-a-vis time. Time is everything for me. You don't waste a timeout for five yards when that timeout could save you 37 seconds at the end of the half or the end of the game. Even if it's third and one, I don't care. Make it third and six. Even if it's fourth and one, well, fourth and one late in the game, I'm taking the timeout. But fourth and one in the first quarter, make it fourth and six and punt. I would much rather have the time at the end of the half or the end of the game. So I'm very focused on how coaches and front offices analyze and use their timeouts. Basketball is the same thing. You've got timeouts that you use when you're trying to stop a run, when you want to change momentum, when you want to call a play, when you want to advance the ball toward the end of the half or the end of the game, you can advance the ball in a timeout back to half court. You want to be able to stop the clock. So how you use your timeouts matters. Yesterday, the Phoenix Suns ran out of timeouts. Guess what? It doesn't matter anymore. Every basketball team, if I'm the president of the basketball team, hey, don't worry about timeouts. Take as many as you want because we get unlimited timeouts in the last two minutes of the game because every time the referees check something, we get to have a timeout. We get to bring our players together and call a play. 
The NBA needs to change that rule that when, if they're going to go to review, which replay, which makes me crazy in the last two minutes of the game, because it takes forever. And in basketball, you have to look at everything. It's not like they're looking to replay to see if it's a called ball or a called strike in baseball. They're going every time the ball's out of bounds for crying out loud. I'm not going to make my second meal for reference of the day, or maybe it was last week. If it were last week that I said for crying out loud and you don't think of meatloaf, then you're not paying attention. In basketball, the last two minutes, there's out of bounds play practically every time. So they're checking it. Here's the rule I'm making. Neutral corners. Coaches and players may not communicate other than hand signals, right? You could do that. You could yell across the court if you want, but the teams have to go to neutral corners on opposite sides of the court, on opposite sides of where the benches are. Because I don't want to reward teams for willy-nilly taking their timeouts during the course of a game, expecting that they're going to get to call plays toward the end of the game. Phoenix ended up being able to call some great plays. They won the game on an alley-oop. It was pretty cool. So we were 83 and 63. Suns are up 2-0. Clippers are fine losing two games in a row. That happened their last series, too. I want to go to today's pick of the day and be quick with you because I can't wait to watch it. I hope you're going to watch the Padres and the Dodgers and get to watch Bauer. Bauer, who we're very focused on in terms of his spin rate, in terms of his performance. Bauer, who we're very focused on because he's not the best pitcher in baseball, not even close. Pitching against our guy, Musgrove, who we've gone against, might I add. And we've done very well going against Musgrove after his no-hitter, but not tonight. Padres over the Dodgers. Musgrove over Bauer. Bauer's too busy building his social media audience to realize that he better find a way to put sticky stuff down his pants in a place where we know the sun don't shine. Nothing personal pick of the day. We got the pods. So every time a team loses, one of the things that happens is you meet the media when you're the president of a team or the GM of a team. I used to hate meeting the media after a season because I was so upset that the season was over. We didn't make the playoffs. We had a bad season, whatever the case may be. Even when you make the playoffs and you get eliminated, you have to meet the media. Basically, every team in baseball, that's 29 of them, have to meet the media when it sucks to meet the media because only one team ends the year happy. Literally, one team. I've heard people say to me, David, aren't you happy when you finish with 90, ga- 90 wins, but you don't make the playoffs? No, I'm not happy. David, aren't you happy when you make the playoffs, but you didn't quite win the World Series? No, I'm not happy. There's only one thirtieth of a chance to end the season happy after the final game. But there's a 30 30th chance that you have to meet the media. It's just part of your job. Well, the 76ers got eliminated from the playoffs in game seven at home against the Hawks. We talked about Ben Simmons. Did we talk about Ben Simmons on the show, Coca, and the fact that he's going to be traded? I thought that was a wait to see. I think we covered it. It was a total nightmare. Well, Daryl Morey had to meet the media, and I was fascinated by what he said. Daryl Morey is the guy who came over from Houston. You remember that? Remember he got fired by Houston? No, not at all? Okay. So, Daryl Morey said, a lot of what I'm reading, I frankly don't understand. Really? You don't understand the fact that you were the number one seed and you lost to the Atlanta Hawks? You don't understand that you had a process and that you've got Joel, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and they're not good enough, and the Hawks were the better team? Anyway, he doesn't understand. He said, people are saying the Sixers are in a bad situation. 
they are in a bad situation. We went through it on nothing personal. I think everyone's watching nothing personal. Statistics would say I may be right. All those big contracts. And then Daryl Morey said, we've got Embiid. We've got Simmons. We've got Harris. We're in a great situation. As a matter of fact, he said 25 or 26 teams in this league would love to be in our situation with an MVP caliber top player and all-star, a near all-star, great young players who are signed for the long-term, good veterans. We've got a good foundation. We just have to do better. I have to do better. Everyone has to do better. When we do end of season press conferences, every time we say that last sentence, because we want to be self-deprecating, we want you to understand that we care about you, the fan, and we're upset that we didn't win or we didn't prevail in the playoff series or we didn't make the playoff series or we didn't finish 500. We want you to know that we're going to do better. I used to say that all the time. I'm going to be better like I can get a two at RBI. I'm going to be better like I could somehow not go out till six in the morning and not be tired when I start and care about winning more than I care about losing or care about winning, period. I'm going to be better when I know very well that the payroll is going to go down and we're not going to be in the market for free agents, or if we are on the market, we're going to sign mediocre free agents that have a very, very low likelihood of being good. I'm going to be better. But by the way, everyone else has to be better too. I didn't say players. Daryl Morey didn't say players. He just said, everyone has to do better. Just come out and say it. It's unacceptable for Ben Simmons to be totally disparu in the fourth quarter not score, not take shots, scared of going to the free throw line, practice your goddamn free throws one time. But 25 or 26 teams would love to be in your situation. Which ones, Daryl? We learned and I taught, I was taught and then I taught people after me. Don't give a number unless you're willing to back it up. And if you're going to back it up, you better be right because math is always right. Keep that in mind. When you say 25 or 26 teams are in a situation where they're desirous of being the Sixers, I'm just curious, um, who is that? Is it the Pelicans? They didn't make the playoffs, so they, they're jealous. They wanted to lose to the Hawks in the second round and take over your roster. Here's what Daryl Morey meant to say, but didn't because he didn't have the guts to say it. 25 or 26 teams want to be in our situation because we got it to the second round and lost in a game seven. There's quite a bit fewer who would like to have our situation when it comes to payroll and the number of players we have. And frankly, we're going to have a hard time finding a trade partner, but I'm Daryl Morey and I'm going to really try. Made me laugh. Did it not make you laugh? When people say things like that, I enjoyed it. Did you watch the lottery? I'm pretty into the lottery. Ever since Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks in the sticky, that's the original sticky substance is how the Knicks got Patrick Ewing. Go check out, if you're too young, go check out the lottery and how it used to be done. It was actually team names in an envelope. And what you did is you rolled it around like a ping pong ball. <laughs> it's true. You know, like bingo balls where you roll around the canister. And then David Stern, the commissioner at the time, would sort of look away close his eyes, not really close his eyes, feel around, pull out an envelope, and that's the first pick of the draft. The Knicks envelope was extremely sticky. 
And that's not a conspiracy theory. That's a fact. They wanted the top pick to go to the Knicks. The top pick was Patrick Ewing that year because they wanted the Knicks to be good, but they ruined it for the future because they were so obvious. They got so much criticism. Every other owner was so pissed off that now they actually have to do it in a way that is fair. And what's the fun of that? So the lottery now is done in a way that they try to make it high drama, but it's not very sort of drama filled. And now multiple teams have the same chance of getting the number one pick. And I just wanted to mention that for one second to you and tell you why they do that and why it doesn't work. Remember what we talked about with Boeing. Hey, we're not going to give money now. And then we're going to give basketball had a situation where they were concerned that teams were tanking. This is back when the Sixers were trusting their process. And a bunch of teams in basketball were not being competitive. They were losing 60 games and they were trying to get the first pick in the draft. Then the lottery system happened. They were trying to get the best odds of the first pick. If you've got the worst record, you then get the best odds because you get the most balls put into the ball shaker and out comes your ball if you're lucky. But the NBA said, no, we can't promote tanking. So we're not going to give the team with the worst record, the best chance and the most balls in the lottery. We're going to make several teams have the same chance. So I think last night it was the Magic, the Rockets, and the Pistons, I think all had a 14% chance of winning the lottery. I could be wrong on the team, Skoka, but that's in my head for whatever reason. But it was multiple teams that have a 14% chance or so of winning the lottery. And do you think as a front office person that I differentiate between having the third worst record or the first worst record because I'm tanking a little bit more to get the worst record so I can get the higher lottery pick? It doesn't really work that way. What the NBA was trying to accomplish was having teams not tank by not giving them any sort of benefit to tanking, but they got it wrong. Because just because I'm tied with two other teams with the highest chance of getting the number one pick, and just because I could be the magic and fall out of the top four because they have rules that even if you're a bad team, you could fall out of the top four and the magic had a 14% chance of getting the first pick and now they're picking five. Do you think the president of the magic is saying, man, we shouldn't tank. We shouldn't rebuild because we can't deal with just having the number five pick. It doesn't work that way at all. You do what's right for your organization, giving yourself the best chance to have the longest window possible to win as many games and try to win a title. That's the goal. And all of these other crazy rules that they're making for the lottery, it does not change it. So I watched the lottery, enjoyed it. The Rockets got the number two pick. The Rockets, they've fallen pretty far. Pitson's got the number one pick. I wonder if Daryl Morey, this is the last thing on this Coca because we're running out of time. Did Daryl Morey say to himself, what am I doing in Philadelphia? I'm not talking about the suburbs of Philadelphia, but does he actually say to himself, this is ridiculous. I thought I was coming here with Doc Rivers taking over a great situation. They got rid of their coach, but they've got teams in place. Everybody wants the players we have. And then he got in there and realized that it is so dysfunctional that the Sixers from ownership on down have no chance at all to win. I think that's exactly what Daryl Morey realized. And then he said, wait a minute, I didn't choose the Sixers. I got fired by the Rockets. All right, I'm done with the show. I really wanted to talk about what happened with, uh, we had a, so you want to talk to Samson question. We just didn't get to it, but I'm going to try to get to it tomorrow. There was a question about injuries. 
and whether or not we know as executives when players are injury prone and what to do with those players. Coca, make sure I get to that tomorrow, please. And in the meantime, go about your day. And remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.